Ineffective communication, or the lack thereof, has proven to be one of the biggest roadblocks for developing healthy relationships. We live in a world where the very existence of communication has for a large group of the population been relegated to social media, texting, and pictures. But what have we sacrificed as a result of interrupting personal one-on-one conversations and interacting with one another on a daily basis? Forbes recently published an article which discussed the struggles of the millennial generation. When it comes to effective face-to-face communication, they are suffering far more anxiety, stress, and struggles with communication skills. In the workplace, having one-on-one interactions with clients, co-workers on the job, as well as just in everyday life. They are opting to work jobs from home and away from direct contact with people. As a result, are losing the ability to deal with basic social problems and have healthy communication with those around them. Whether it's a breakup, getting fired, or handling a problem, they are struggling in communication with the world around them in a healthy way. Today, we will continue in our discussion on the importance of good communication in our relationships and how to avoid the pitfalls that can destroy our ability to have functional, lifelong, healthy relationships. Thank you for joining us today at The Well. Hello, everybody. This is Tammy Conway, and welcome back to At The Well. And I am joined again today with my husband, Stephen Conway, and we are continuing in our second part of the communications episode we had done prior. And it was so good, the first one, and there was so much information to share that we weren't able to pack it all into the first episode. So we decided to do a second one, um, or a part two, I should say. And so we're here um, and we want to um, continue on discussing with you again, um, just some very important things regarding communication. Yeah, Tamara, one of the things we've been talking about is communication myths. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, you and I have been talking about amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we believe to be true when it comes to communication that aren't really true. And one of the favorites Um, of mine and I hear it often is and this is a communication myth is that people tell you what they really think Mm. when they're angry yeah so in a moment of rage or after an argument if a person says something in a marriage relationship Mm -hmm. um, it is that that the spouse says aha now I know now I know what you really feel but in fact Studies have shown that that is that's actually not the case, Mm. that it is true that people will perhaps intentionally say things to inflame or to hurt. Mm -hmm. But that is not what they really mean. Mm -hmm. For instance, I could say to you, you never loved me. (laughs) But is that what I really mean? Right. Has there been no experiences in my life where... Or evidences of... Right, right. right. Evidences that, that you love me. No, I'm, you know, I'm using hyperbole. Mm-hmm. I'm exaggerating. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that's a communication myth. You can't, you can't use a person speaking in anger and, and out of hurt or frustration. You can't use that as a gauge for a person's genuineness or authenticity or truthfulness Mm -hmm. and what sense does that make when you really think about it i'll only listen to you when you're irrational Mm -hmm. i'll only believe what you're saying to me when you're irrational 
So um, that's a communication myth that people only tell you the truth or, or disclose what they really feel when they're angry. I think it's interesting, too, when you think about how sometimes maybe people fall into a cycle and they actually, you know, I've witnessed that happen before where people are fighting and they're arguing or they go to that place often and they want to get that person to that place because they they feel like that's the only time they're going to get the truth, you know. And so I believe that that also happens sometimes in relationships that people find themselves in that vicious cycle of that that intense arguing and fussing, you know, and pushing one another's buttons because they feel that's that's that is then when they're going to get the truth. But in fact, you know, um, how many times have many of us said things? under pressure or under, you know, in anger. And we later go back and say, man, I regret that. You know, I didn't mean that, you know. So that's very true. That is definitely a myth. Um, we often also talk about forgiveness. And that um, I know on one of the things you had discussed before, that it's hard for people to forgive if you feel that you are only um, honest with me when you're angry. Yeah, those those two concepts they do uh, go together. I, If I question your authenticity when you are communicating with me outside of anger, mm -hmm. there's something that's in my mind that's saying, hmm, they, 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 they're not really telling me the truth. And I, I want to just touch on this, too. This goes back to something else we talked about in terms of filters. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why we are prone to take what a person says to us in anger as though it is authentic or it's legitimate or it's the truth is because we have we have something that we believe about ourselves mm. to be defective yeah. in the first place. Yeah. And so when people begin to point out those defects and exaggerate them and blow them up, they are touching on um, a fear cord or fear button, mm -hmm. which is something that we already believe about ourselves. Anyway. So what that person is saying, it actually harmonizes with something that I fear is true in my mind already. Mm. And that's why I grab onto it and say, aha, see, I knew it. It's not so much that I knew that that's how you felt about me, but, but it must be true because that's the way I felt about, about myself. myself. Mm. And so when a person says, no, that's not what I meant, then because, again, I've got this self-talk going on in my own mind. Mm -hmm. um, I find it difficult to be able to to accept that. But we were talking about forgiveness. Yeah. And here's where I think this this concept of um, forgiveness fits in. We find it difficult to forgive someone when we feel like they're not being authentic and honest with us. Yeah. And um, and so that 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 creates a problem, because if I'm not able to forgive you, then how can we progress? Mm -hmm. How can we build and how can we move forward if I'm merely going to continue to hold on to things and allow a root of bitterness to develop within me mm -hmm. uh, that is ultimately going to is going to choke the life out of our uh, out of our marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness is key. Mm -hmm. It's extremely important for us to be able to forgive one another for sure. Now, we have also talked about another uh, area of communication, which is called the no-fly zone. That's what we call it. You know, the no-fly zone is basically, you know, in a relationship, there are things that 
you just don't go there. You know, you don't talk about for some people, it may be money for some people. It may be, you know, what they're doing with their time for some people. It may be a lot of different things. Right. But you've created this area or this pocket of communication that you just don't have in your relationship. We're not going there, you know. Right. And let's talk about, first of all, how unrealistic that is, but also um, how detrimental it can be to a relationship. Well, it's unrealistic in the sense that it's 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 crippling to a healthy relationship. So it's unrealistic for your relationship to have things that you just can't talk with the other person about. And you've heard people say that before. And, like, man, I'm sorry, believe, man, I just can't, I can't talk to them about that. And yet believe that your relationship is still going to be healthy. And yeah, people do say those things all the time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to expand this because we're talking about marriage primarily, mm-hmm. but there are no fly zones in parent-child relationships. Absolutely. There are no fly zones in sibling relationships. Mm-hmm. There are no fly zones. At your jobs. At, right, right. <laughs> so uh, these no fly zones, they they occur in, across the board in uh, in all of our in all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, why why do you think what are, what is the general consensus with the no fly zone? Like I know we also said that you know it's kind of like a passive aggressive. You know, type of thing. Well, we don't want the 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 kickback. So, okay, we can have this discussion, but in some way, I'm going to suffer, or the other individual is going to make, <laughs> make me pay. Me suffer, yeah. Because I I force them to have a conversation that they were uncomfortable having, or that they didn't really want to have, or they feel like isn't a problem. Right, mm-hmm. right. Or they're defensive, or mm-hmm. any number of things, and the response is not always. Oh, they're going to scream and shout and curse and so forth. But as you mentioned, the response can be a passive aggressive mm-hmm. response. So you said I overt may not, or covert. Right, right. <laughs> overt or covert. Mm-hmm. So I may not talk to you for two days mm-hmm. or I may give you the silent treatment. Mm-hmm. I may withdraw from you mm-hmm. and, and be detached for a week or two. Mm-hmm. And no intimacy or um, it can be a myriad, a myriad of things. Right, right. Yeah. And so a no-fly zone is there's going to be dire consequences if I go there. Mm-hmm. And we are essentially educating those that we're in relationship with that you don't want to go here because if you do... There are going to be consequences. There's going to be You're consequences. Gonna pay. You're going to pay, yeah. So, yeah. Um, And I think someone asked the question, well, then if there's a no-fly zone and we know it's a no-fly zone, mm-hmm. how then do we... How do we begin to discuss those things? Mm-hmm. When, when is the right time? Right. Well, one of the things we often talk about as well is we talk about waiting for teachable moments. You know, there are times when I feel like I strongly want to talk about something, right? When I have a feeling or emotion come up or there's a problem that I feel like I need to talk to you about or in our marriage, we've had those moments. But I've learned over the years that not every moment is the right time. You know, mm-hmm. we share with couples all the time that, you know, when someone think about the moment that you're in. You yeah. Know, so what are the right times? What are the right times? We often share with people that, you know, in our marriage, we love reading books and, and having those moments where we can actually peer into the lives of others, um, giving their testimonies and giving their outlooks and what they've gone through in their relationship. And what that does, um, I feel like it provides an opportunity, one, for there not to be an attack. Right. We're reading about someone else's experience, someone else's character, someone else's life. And in that, either you or myself, because we both have those things, you know, the no-fly zones. um, And most couples do in the sense that there are things that I feel strongly about or you feel strongly about. And 
if I'm able to look into someone else's life and I can see myself right in that story. And so it's not necessarily you coming to me and saying, Tamara, you know what, uh, sweetheart, uh, you know, I, I've realized that there's this issue or there's this problem. You know, mm -hmm. it may not be the right moment or the right time. But when I'm looking at this story, when I'm reading this account of someone else's life, there have been plenty of times when you or I have done that. And we're like, wow. That's a, that's a crazy situation. You know what I'm saying? You, can you believe that? And you're like, man, am I like that? And so we're yes, able to say like, absolutely. Uh, you are. yeah, you are. <laughs> so what I hear you saying is that the the teachable moments, um, they're, they're precisely that teachable moments because there's a disarming that takes place. Yes. When I am looking at a fault that is in someone else's life mm -hmm. and um, a, an open moment of reflection allows me the willingness to consider that yes. perhaps um, and that I have been like this. And what's so powerful about it is I can identify it not only in someone else's life, but I can identify how ugly it is and how wrong it mm. is. And I don't want to be like that. And the funny thing about that is you don't always see yourself in that light. That's the thing about our, our having our filters about what we hear, but also having you know, sunglasses, I don't know, you know, if you want to call it that, about how we see ourselves. And it's amazing how many times I know for myself, when I've looked, when we've read books and when we've done those things, that I was able to look at someone else's life and see the true nature of how ugly something is. And I thought to myself, like, man, am I like that? And when I'm able to actually accept, like, man, I am like that, it is cutting, but it wasn't you cutting me. You right. know what I'm saying? It was it was the actual image of what that thing was that cut me, you know, and so um, it was a powerful experience. The other profound concept that that is in this uh, idea of a teachable moment is um, and I'll just to piggyback on what you said, um, it's it's a teachable moment partially because I'm reaching these conclusions mm. myself. Yeah, I'm deciding that this behavior is 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 ugly mm -hmm. and 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 i don't want any part of this behavior i'm the one who's coming to that decision and i am willing to make myself vulnerable to you to mm -hmm. say am i like this yeah and so um and as opposed to the the um illustration you gave at the beginning where it's me coming to you and pointing out mm -hmm. behavior X mm -hmm. and telling you how ugly behavior X is mm -hmm. and all of the defenses are up. Yeah. I mean, I'm shooting with lasers and <laughs> bullets and, 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 and continental ballistic missiles and yes. everything in order to protect myself. Mm -hmm. But in the other uh, illustration that we're talking about, I'm actually identifying these things, acknowledging their ugliness. And then making myself vulnerable and saying, listen, do you see, see any of this in me? And, you know, I think it's even it's also important to point out the importance of praying for teachable moments. Um, I know that there are teachable moments that happen. Right. And we miss them. And I also believe that when you're praying for teachable moments, that you are looking for them mm -hmm. as opposed to them just happening you know, and, oh, was that, a, you know, we were just having a conversation in the kitchen. Did that just happen? Or oh, I missed it, you know. But when you're praying and asking God, man, you know, I need you, Lord, to help me to have a moment where we can talk about this. Show so me when there's a right time, you know, to do this as opposed to we feel like, you know what, I just need to be able to come in the door and just begin to just shoot off whatever it is, however I feel, whatever my thoughts and my feelings are. And in a perfect world, that would be right. But that's not how life works. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we need to prepare.
prepare ourselves to be able to understand that there are components to communicating our feelings and our thoughts with a person. You know, we often say, man, it's not a good time when a person's come home from work, they've had a hard day and you want to begin to spill. You know, you know what I think about you? I really think that you're, you know, that's right. not a smart thing to do. You right. know, let me let me slide this in too, just to in addition to what you're saying, mm-hmm. because um, I think us being sensitive to another person's um, openness, willingness, vulnerability, yeah. whatever you want to call it, is important. But we also suggest that people can create teachable moments. And I mm. want to just clarify what this doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean that I watch a movie or read a book or learn something new and say, hey, let's read this book together. <laughs> because in my mind, I'm plotting to get you to the point where you can... Well, you need to change. One of the one of the things, one of the things that, that's so beautiful in a teachable moment mm-hmm. is that both people are open. Are actually being taught. Both people are willing to learn. Both people are seeing things mm-hmm. and experiencing things together. So it's not me leading you to a teachable moment. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about creating teachable moments, it's not for the other person's benefit, mm-hmm. but it's for both of our benefits. Yeah. So let's read this book together. together. Let's watch this movie about X, Y, and Z together. together. Mm-hmm. Let's attend uh, uh, or listen to a workshop or a seminar, or a seminar together. Yeah. And um, so I think that's important for the teachable moments. Um, another one of the communication myths that we felt was really important to talk about was this idea of um, it is like the what do we call it? The five positives versus the one negative. Right. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it, it's it's so true because um, if I'm trying to become different and mm. do something different um so often i become easily discouraged because my spouse is not responding to the new me as it were mm-hmm. the new habits the new way of speaking they're not responding to that in the way that i think that they should and i'm like hey don't you realize what i'm doing <laughs> right and um one of the one of the things that is a um, it's a frightening reality. This is actually not a myth. Um, and that is that one negative statement mm-hmm. to my spouse, it, um, it is more powerful or as powerful as five positive statements mm-hmm. to my spouse. Mm-hmm. And so here's where the frustration comes in. You know, I've been speaking, let's say, in a negative way, a critical way, mm-hmm. a hypercritical way to my to my spouse. And then, you know, for three days, I am intentional and consistent with saying positive things mm-hmm. and encouraging and uplifting things and staying away from the negative things. And I, I believe that in three days, my spouse should automatically mm. you should you should recognize this and you should you know, you should applaud me for the effort and <laughs> you it's obvious that I've changed. But the problem is that these three days worth of positive things don't have the same power, the same staying power as the, the one one negative thing yeah. that I may have spoken over the same period of time. And so it takes it takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes patience. Consistency. It takes consistency. Mm-hmm. And it takes understanding that the, the negative stuff tends to stick mm-hmm. far more than the positive stuff. And this goes back to something that we said before. If I'm trying to encourage and compliment with many of us, we have we already have challenges with believing that there are things valuable enough to compliment yeah. within us 
worth or worthy enough to be complimented um, um, in us. And as a result, our tendency is not to believe those, mm -hmm. especially when we're used to the other person sharing negative things, criticizing, telling us what we're not and what we don't do and what we haven't been. Mm -hmm. So um, so it, it's, it's an extremely difficult thing. We I think we laughed about this last week when we were talking about, you know, getting this together and um, and how it can play out in a relationship. Right. You have been praying about this person changing and, you know, and doing things differently. And you've expressed to them that you want them to change. And then when they actually do begin to make the change, you know, what do, what do people often say? Uh, yeah. You only did that because I told you to do it. <laughs> you want to be like, uh, you're yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> That's precisely why I'm doing it, because right. you. You told me. You to do told it. me. And it's like we get mad and we get frustrated about that. And it's like, well, no, you should be doing it because you, you, you. And then it's like, listen, you know. Completely defeats <laughs> the whole concept of communication. Right. It undermines it. The other person who feels like they're trying, they're like, well, what's the point of trying? If, if I try, it's going to get shot down. And then the other individual, you know, they get in their little bag and, you know, they begin to fight against the change because they don't want to let go of what yeah. they know, the, what they believe the person is. That's a vicious cycle. That I think. It's vicious, and it also it also reveals another it also reveals another communication myth, mm -hmm. and that is that I should not have to tell you. Mm. You should instinctively Already or automatically know. know. Yes, and that's a myth. That's no, a myth. the only way none of us are mind readers. Right, right. Some of us might think we are, but <laughs> we're not mind readers. So the only way we will know mm -hmm. is if we are told. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of these things, you know, occur and they take place in our um, communications with one another or the lack thereof. And so we felt that it was really important for us to be able to touch on something. And listen, we couldn't even touch on all the different things within um, these, these these last two um, podcasts. But I'm telling you, communication is so important. Um, some of the things or some of the resources that we want to point you to to kind of continue this conversation even after the podcast is done. We um, tell a lot of our couples that we talk to or that we encourage that there are things that you can read together. There's a book called The DNA of Relationships. Um, that's a very great book to read. There's uh, The Power of a Praying husband mm -hmm. the power of a praying wife this mm -hmm. uh, it, it touches on a variety of issues namely patience mm -hmm. prayer putting uh, the other individual your spouse into the hands of the Lord mm -hmm. those are two uh, wonderful books as well where the author the authors share their experiences another thing to open us up and allow us to be able to see ourselves through the lens of um, uh, of another person's experiences, which which can be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So we want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I hope that there have been some things shared that have been positive and helpful for you in your relationships. And again, um, this isn't always just about marriage. A lot of these things can be applied in our families, husbands and wives, parents and child, our, our co-workers, our cousins, aunties, uncles, whoever. And so please be sure to share any of the information that you have heard here with um, the people in your lives and most of all we pray and hope that you're encouraged to continue growing and learning more about how to better communicate um, we hope maybe to breach this topic again you know maybe on some future podcasts but we're going to be moving on from this and going on to another topic so we hope that you all will join us next week again and remember above all things guys we pray and hope that you know that you are loved <laughs>